So I was out of town last Sunday, but uh, the week before that, I started a series of messages on the lessons we will teach during Vacation Bible School, which is just coming up in a few more weeks. And I thought this was a good time for us to look over those lessons and become familiar with them. They're great lessons. And then, of course, if you're going to be helping with Vacation Bible School, you'll be even more familiar with the stories and the meanings of them and be able to share those with the kids. But these are great lessons for all of us. And today, we're going to look at the lesson that will be for day two of Vacation Bible School, God Gives the Commands. And the theme is, My Loving God Gives Direction. My Loving God Gives Direction. So let's say that together. My Loving God Gives Direction. Very good. And the story comes from Exodus 19 and verse 18 and 19, and then Exodus 20, verses 1 through 21. So let, let us read that together. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of, of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. And the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, and Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. And then in verse, uh, chapter 20. <clears throat> then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down and to worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents on their children. Entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations, those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work this includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants and livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor, you must not covet your neighbor's house, you must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. 
Don't be afraid, Moses answered them. For God has come in this way to test you, and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood at a distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, we've heard of the Ten Commandments many times, but the thing that struck me in the reading today was the scene, such a frightening, terif- terrifying scene, the smoking mountain, and, and you get the picture of the mountain shaking and people shaking with fear, and there's a reason You know, in the Old Testament, in this scene, God was making a point to show his power and how awesome he is, to remind people that he is God, and he is awesome, and he is in charge, and they are to be obedient, and they are to follow. When we see God in the New Testament, we see him most clearly portrayed in Jesus Christ. A man who, God came as a man because he was relatable. We could understand him and we could see his love and his mercy and his kindness. And, and that's a much more uh, pleasant way to view God. And, it, and God is loving and kind and merciful. But we must always be careful not to forget that, that God is not just an easy person to relate to, but he is the creator of the universe. He is Lord of all. He is an awesome God, and this passage reminds us of that. And, and God came to the Israelites in this particular occasion in this grand and awesome way for a reason. Moses tells us the reason in the, ver- in the passage. In verse 20, Moses tells us Why he appeared this way, he said, Moses said, don't be afraid, which is is a crazy thing to think. You're standing there in front of a trembling mountain with fire and smoke coming from it, and of course you're afraid, but Moses says, don't be afraid, for God has come in this way to test you, and so that you will fear him and keep, and, and it will keep you from sinning. So this is a reason, and it reminded me of when I was in elementary school, and I was in the fifth grade, and when we were in the fourth grade and we were about to go up to the fifth grade, everybody said, you want to be sure you get Miss Sanders, not Miss Garland. Those were the two fifth grade teachers, and I got Miss Sanders. She was the nice one, and um, except that Miss Garland taught math. And I think Miss Sanders specialized in English. I don't know if they do this now, but the way they did it when I was in elementary school, I think we had five periods with Miss Sanders, and then the classes switched for one. And we went to Miss Garland for math, and they went, and her class came to Miss Sanders for English. And I remember having this fear as we walked into Miss Garland's class for that last period. And that first week, she was so stern and made, a very, made it very clear to our class, to all the students, you did not get out of line in her class 
or you would suffer the consequences. But here was the thing. Throughout that whole year of my fifth grade, Miss Sanders was very nice, but her class was full of chaos because we knew we could cut up, we could talk, we could get out of line, and she would threaten us, but there was nothing behind it, and we just had the greatest time in her class, but it was just chaos. And I felt sorry for Miss Sanders the whole time through that year um, because it felt like she was being taken advantage of. On the other hand, in Miss Garland's class, she was just as pleasant as could be too. But nobody stepped out of line in Miss Garland's class. And everything was organized and everything was smooth and it was actually a much more pleasant experience because people were paying attention and we were learning. And after the first week, she never had to um, threaten us hardly ever again. Every now and then, one really foolish kid would try to try her just to see, was she serious? And oh yes, she was serious. And you learned real fast. And it was just an amazing comparison of the two experiences. Miss Arlen's class was a better class. And we learned more and we had a better time, really. Sometimes you've got to put forth a mean face to scare people straight. Let them know right up front that you're serious and you mean business. And God is both holy and his power is awesome and frightening. And he is serious about sin, even though he is also full of love and mercy. And I think that's what we're seeing here in this passage. Sometimes people don't like rules. Isn't that right? Why should someone be able to tell me what I can and what I can't do? Don't tell me what I can do with my body. It's my body. Don't tell me how to spend my money. It's my money. Don't tell me how to live my life. It's my life. Actually, according to the Bible, it's not your body. It's not your money. And it's not your life. But that's a whole thing. We could do a whole series of... of, uh, sermons on that. That's not what I want to talk about today. But we have this attitude like, don't tell me what to do. Isn't it a good thing we don't hear that same kind of argument when it comes to traffic lights? (laughs) Don't tell me to stop red light. If I want to run through you, I can run through you. Those lights saved millions of people's lives. I can't imagine what it was like driving around before they invented traffic lights. Can you? Or some of you might be old enough that you remember, Tom. (laughs) But we know and we're thankful for the rules of the road. They keep us safe. And we know most of them, don't we? Let's look at some of the different signs that we have out there, traffic signs. You know what this one means, right? Pretty easy. It says it right there. Stop. Yield. You know what that one means, right? You, let, you, you can keep going. You don't have to stop, but you have to yield to those who have the right of way. The next one. What's that mean? 
It's a railroad crossing. Be alert. What about this one? No U-turn. Next one. What does that mean? Pedestrians crossing. Next. Merge. The lane's coming to an end. Do not enter. It says it right there. One way. What is that? That means you're in Atlanta. <laughs> Everywhere is one way. And the opposite of that is a two-way. And what about this one? What does that mean? That means you're about to scare your wife to death. <laughs> She's riding with you. We know the signs. We know what they mean. The fact that God gives us rules shows that he cares about us. He understands our weaknesses and our confusions. He knows sin has clouded our judgment and he wants us to be safe. He wants us to be holy so that we can have a good relationship with him because he is holy. And so he gives us rules. And the Ten Commandments are the most basic rules of God. You know the rules of the road. Do you know the rules of God? If you're a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of God, you ought to know the rules. And yes, it can be a challenge to know them, to memorize them, but we all wanted to drive on the road and we all had to take a test and we had to learn the rules of the road and we actually made a point to learn them. I challenge you to memorize the rules of God, the Ten Commandments. And you don't have to memorize them word for word. You can paraphrase. For instance, number one, do not worship any God except the Lord. Number two, do not make idols of any kind. Number three, do not misuse the name of the Lord. Number four, remember to observe the Sabbath day. And as we look at those first four, there's something about them that's special. They are all about God. These first four are all about God, and they come first in the list. And that's an important distinction. Because there are, there are a lot of people who are, want, want people to be kind to one another and be respectful to one another and don't do things that are harmful and don't take advantage of people. And there are a lot of people in the world today who don't believe in God, don't believe that there is a higher power, and they try to teach that you should be respectful and do the right thing. But the problem is, if there is no higher power, if there is no divine authority, who gets to decide what the rules are? And why should you care about being kind to one another and respectful? Because if there's no God, then we're just animals. And the strongest among us, the most powerful among us, gets to do what we want. And everybody else has to bow to our power. And God knows is that if you are going to be kind to one another, you will only do it because you understand that there is a God, there is a divine power. Once you have a relationship with him, then the other things make sense. Then you're no longer, it's no longer just survival of the fittest and whoever's the strongest. God makes the rules and we follow them. And so then we can get to 5 through 10, which say, honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. 
Do not steal. Do not testify falsely. Do not covenant. Uh, do not covet. And these are all about people and how we treat one another rightly. Now, one thing that these commandments show us is where we fall short. As we look at these commands, we see that every one of them is something that we've fallen short on at some time. And every time we sin, we tear the little piece of our heart. And a little piece of God's heart and a little piece of each other's heart. Have you ever broken one of these commandments? I mean, who among us has not? Of course we have. At some point or another, we have all told a lie. You know, when your wife comes to you and says, Hey, honey, these jeans make my butt look big. No, no, they don't. <laughs> I mean, that's a bad choice to make. Any way, any way you answer, your, somebody's heart's breaking. Even if you've ever stolen something as small as a paper clip, you've broken the Eighth Commandment. Who among us has never wanted something that our neighbor had? Man, I sure wish I had a house like theirs, or I wish I had paid off my mortgage like they just did, or I had a car like theirs, or a new cell phone, or I wish I had an outfit like, that fit me like that one fits her. And you may have never murdered someone. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 21, if you, ever are, if, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. If you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. You may have never committed adultery. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So we've all fallen short of God's glory standards. We've broken his commandments. And every time we sin, our heart is torn apart. But the amazing thing is, even Though we've sinned, God doesn't stop loving us. In Jesus, we see that God, God's love and his grace are greater than all our sins. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus, his son, and Jesus never sinned. He never broke any of the commandments, not even not even in his heart. And Jesus paid for our sin on the cross and he rose again. And because of Jesus, we can be forgiven. If you want to be forgiven, if you want to make a fresh start, 
then it's time to repent of your sin and to turn to Jesus. Jesus welcomes anyone who sincerely desires to turn away from sin and follow him as Lord. He welcomes you. And for all that decide to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there to help us live in love. And when we follow Jesus, he gives us a brand new heart. Do you want a new heart? One that can love God? That can love your neighbor? A heart that can also know that you're loved. Despite what anybody in this world has ever done to you or said to you or hurt you that made you feel unloved. But when God gives you a new heart, you know that he loves you. And he knows, and you begin to feel and know that there's people that love you too. People aren't perfect, but there are people who will love you. And when you're a part of the family of God, you feel that more and more, don't you? If you've been here in this church for any time at all, you felt some of that love. It's not because we're something special. It's because our God is. Our God is something special. And he works through us. And Jesus gives us a new heart and we begin to feel that. Why don't you decide to follow Jesus today and to receive that new heart that he wants to give you? I hope you'll pray for that today. If you'd like, you could come to the altar for a special time of prayer. If you'd like me to pray with you, I'd love to. Just let me know. Or if you feel like you need to, you can do it right there where you're sitting. Father, loving God, thank you for the direction that you give to us in your Ten Commandments. To show us the way and how we live. We're sorry, Lord, for the times that we've sinned against you and that we've broken your rules, either because of ignorance or because of stubbornness. Forgive us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for Jesus Christ. We would be completely lost without him. When we've gone off track, he shows the way back. Help us to remember your commandments. Help us to learn them, Lord. And give us power through the Holy Spirit to obey them. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.